Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Pod Extra, bringing you the latest energy market developments in these challenging COVID-19 times. Joining me, Richard Sverison today, is Bruce Daisley. Bruce is a former Twitter senior executive and the founder of Eat Sleep Work Repeat podcast. He has a passion for making work better. A warm welcome to you, Bruce. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I think I should mention here that we we met at university quite a few years ago, Bruce. Isn't that right? Yeah, slightly less professional than this. And it's good to see that things have turned out well for you, Richard. <laughs> for yourself, Bruce. Likewise, thank you. <laughs> uh, how are you coping in these, in these crazy coronavirus times? Yeah, it's very hard to feel that you've got anything done, I found, is one of the challenges. With, uh, if you've got children at home, then you're eternally in a state of feeling like you're a bad parent and a bad worker. So I'm surviving, but I hope there's an end in sight. Yeah, fingers crossed. On these podcasts, we've talked a lot about energy and and our focus, of course, has been on energy market developments. But today we want to broaden the discussion and talk about work, family life, all these balances that have suddenly sort of been disrupted amid the the COVID-19 crisis. What do you think is the future of work now, Bruce? I mean, I've seen talk of it's the end of the office. Is that something that's um, maybe a bit premature or or very likely in your view? I think more than anything, we need to sort of play through the different scenarios. And Martin Sorrell, who is the the leader of the, or for a long time was the chief executive of the biggest advertising firm in the world. Now he's left and he's set up his own firm, but he's still iconic in the world of advertising. He said last week that he was looking at his $45 million property bill and thinking he would spend some of that on wages. And don't believe a word of it. There's no way at all he's looking at a bottom line saving thinking he'll give that on wages. He's thinking, I can save myself $45 million. And I suspect there's going to be a lot of firms who do the same. There was an old heuristic in business, which is that you spend 90% of your money on wages, uh, 9% on rent, and 1% on the electricity. So that's sort of broadly the cost for keeping an office structure going. And I think a lot of people are going to be looking at that 9%, that rent aspect, and thinking we can save that money. So I don't necessarily feel that we've fallen out of love with the office. In fact, a lot of people right now are thinking, you know, be careful what you wished for. I was sort of hoping to do more remote work, but I'm missing being around people. I'm missing the escape of actually sort of being at work. So I don't think it's necessarily driven by a lack of demand for us to want office spaces. But I do believe that there will be an impact that some firms will will start thinking, well, look, you know, maybe we can learn the lessons of co-working. Maybe we can learn the lessons of the the likes of WeWork. And I've noticed on quite a lot of the the recent office restructures, redesigns, these quite frequently smaller number of seats, smaller number of desks than there are people. So it's not uncommon, I think, that we'll move to something which is probably going to be styled something like agile working to make it seem more appealing to us. But I think probably the idea of us all having our own seat might be something of history in the in the next five or six years. I mean, it's always kind of considered sort of working from home. It was kind of an easy way out. You know, no one could monitor you or or keep a check on what you were doing. But now it seems to be obviously far more feasible, if not acceptable. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, th- this, there's an interesting challenge that one of the issues that we all have at work is that it's very difficult to measure 
when we're doing a good job, you know, unless we manufacture something, when we get to the end of the day, have we created? Have we done something? You know, most of us don't do deals every day. Most of us don't do transactions every day. So was that a productive day or an unproductive day? And one of the challenges that sprung up from that was the notion of presenteeism. So the notion that because we can't measure what people are doing, if we can see them sitting at their desks, it's a good proxy for it. And I think what has happened to some extent with the the lockdown is that there's become a degree of digital presenteeism. If you're finding yourself like a lot of people on four or five hours of, of video calls every day, then it's probably a degree of digital presenteeism. And I think the, the challenge for all of us is to try and learn the lessons from this. So I've been really fascinated with there are a series of digital startups now, a digital series of digital companies that have gained pretty big size. So one of them is the company called Automatic that runs WordPress. And WordPress powers about a quarter or a third of all the websites in the world. But they've gained significant size and never had an office. And what you learn from them is that they do things very differently. So most of us have got into the average European spend 16 hours a week in meetings. And so consequently, that almost becomes a default setting of what we do at work. And what you discover from these pioneering, innovative firms who don't have offices is they tend to get rid of most of those meetings. So it's really interesting because, you know, if you or I were to say, well, before I can do anything this week, I need to do two days of meetings. It's no wonder then that a lot of us, our experience of work is we feel restless. We feel anxious that we're getting nothing done. We feel like we're sitting, listening to people and doing PowerPoint. And if all we've done right now is transfer that lack of productivity, that experience that we often have of sort of feeling restless, if all we've done is transfer that to remote working, we're probably missing a trick. In my sector, where a lot of the readers of Montel and the listeners of this podcast are are traders, now they've seen their trading floor basically disbanded and dispersed across into into remote offices. And that's almost been a seamless transition. So that's been quite interesting for for me to observe. But um, what would your recommendations be, Bruce, for those who are working from home in these times? One thing we discover very quickly is that we often miss some of the most important things. And it seems like the things that live between the gaps are far more important than we realize. So, for example, there was a wonderful piece of work done by a researcher at Massachusetts Institute of Technology, a guy called Alex Pentland. And he did something where he effectively, if, if you've got children and you've ever watched your children play a game of The Sims, He did something similar to that in offices, where he tracked what went on in offices. He tracked the interactions that took place. And what he discovered was that he said emails accounted for about 2% of the productivity of an office. Meetings accounted for about 3%. He said by far the most productive and where most innovation came from was face-to-face conversation. Me pulling up to your desk, Richard, and, and saying, just thinking, you know that idea, should we just change it a little bit? And it's those little bits of incidental conversation. And the challenge we've got right now is if we eliminate all of those little quick conversation by the elevator, quick conversation by the coffee machine, if we eliminate all of those and we don't find a place for them to be displaced elsewhere, then what we find is we're losing some of the secret powers of the office. And so I think that's what I would say that, you know, if you're joining a Zoom call with colleagues, 
if people are talking about what they watched on TV over the weekend, if, if people are talking about what they did with their family, allow that conversation to just probably run a little bit longer than you normally would. It's not deeply unproductive. It's actually allowing a little bit of the, the fabric of human connection to actually take place. Absolutely. I mean, I think I should also mention a, a link to energy here, Bruce, which is travel mm. and commuting and international air travel. We've seen f- complete, it's come to a complete stop almost, well, certainly international air travel, commuting massively reduced. What's it going to be like in a year's time? Well, I think one of the things that we're probably going to have to be aware of more than anything else is that people will draw our attention to the capabilities of technology. And I think, you know, we're all aware that we've optimised over the last few years for presence. We've we've optimised to be in the room. And so we've flown, flown to, to Paris, New York, Dubai, to be in the room. And I think probably we've seen more innovation in the last eight weeks than any of us in- anticipated in the next three or four. You know, the, the idea of people going on dates on uh, video calling, of the idea of people going and, and sort of having a glass of wine with their family on video calling is probably something that none of us could ever have believed if we saw it in a science fiction drama. So the fact that these things have become routine now, I do suspect that there will be more awareness and look, you know, what, what's clear is we're about to go into whatever way we cook it, two or three years of very bad uh, recession, almost certainly a depression. Firms are going to be looking at the bottom line more than ever before. And, you know, it's it's not inconceivable that a new norm is going to be established, that maybe we, we do a quarter of the amount of business travel. The other thing that's bear in mind is that, you know, probably till the end of next year, business travel is almost impossible without quarantine. So it's just going to force us to to operate in different ways. And some of the things that have existed, flying to a conference, flying to spend time collectively with, with a wider team, those things almost certainly are going to be displaced to some extent. Whether they'll be as good, I don't know. But um, there's de- definitely going to be a forced reckoning of us reevaluating what works and what doesn't work. Absolutely. It may be a, a while before we can catch up in person, Bruce, and over a, over a beer in a, in a pub somewhere in London or in the UK. But I, I look forward to those times. I look forward to it. Great, Bruce. Thank you very much for a fascinating discussion. Thank you, Richard. All the best. Cheers. Well, listeners, that's all for today. Remember to tune in every day at 5 o'clock CET on covid19.montelnews.com via the Montel website and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please remember to tune into the Montel Weekly as well every Friday, where we'll be bringing you all the relevant energy market news and updates. Thank you. Bye.